This is Amstigator, a podcast founded on purpose, but focused on the path to get there. Experience is the best teacher, right? And in this season of Amstigator, we're going all in on female perspective of women and wisdom as we answer one specific question. What's the lesson here? Welcome back to Amstigator. Today is all about stress, knowing when you feel it and then knowing how to avoid it. I've been really forthcoming on this podcast about my relationship with stress and more specifically, what a year of going nonstop and feeling relentless stress will do to you. It landed me in a hospital. Now listen to episode 31 if you don't know what I'm talking about. So in the seven months since my hospitalizations, I'm having to relearn what it means to be truly well. And part of that is how to avoid chronic stress. So many of my episodes lately have been centered around mental health and wellness. And that's why today's conversation is just so crucial. I know it's gonna help you because it gets to the root of what I believe is a lot of our disease, our overwhelming amounts of stress. When I initially met Rosa Castano, I had no idea how her work would eventually impact me. We met in the summer of 2022 in line for a free tarot card reading. <laughs> I had never done it and I was pretty pumped. She was able to tell me what to expect and you know more about the person who was the practitioner. It was only a few weeks later that I got actually really, really sick and I started to care more deeply about the type of work she does. Rosa worked for many years in international business all over the world, but mainly in South America, in medical device sales. And then she ran sales for a Nashville startup and also worked in the nonprofit space. Since the pandemic, though, she's transitioned to the work that's really meaningful for her. This work, helping companies create environments that enhance well-being, that prevent burnout and turnover, it is culture work at its core. And it starts with the individual and their understanding of stress. And she'll tell you over and over again in this episode, look, stress isn't bad. It's a natural response. It's something that keeps us alive. That's why we have it. But it's supposed to have peaks and valleys. When we're dealing with chronic, chronic, chronic stress, that's when we get really sick. Again, me, exhibit A. <laughs> Rosa is a certified meditation, mindfulness, and movement teacher. So she combined her corporate background with this ability to create stress management how-tos for companies. So when I started to really dig into her work, I realized it is foundational work that everybody needs, no matter what they do. So in this episode, we talk through the hows of stress management, why it's so bad to carry chronic stress, the peaks and valleys that we need to have, and then also how to come down from some of that stuff. And later, we also sprinkle in some of her family life. She has a toddler, and of course, that can be hard to balance everything, her own aspirations and then her stress level. And she talks through some of the things she's not going to say cut out, but some of the things she's had to sort of let go of a little bit in terms of, you know, what's going to bring her less stress. I'm positive that you're going to learn something in this episode. So with that, here is Rosa Castano with the lesson, stress less. Um, all right, let's start talking about stress. I had no idea how stressed out I was until I started to have some self-awareness. And so now it's one of the things that I do every single day to say like, did I avoid stress today? But I don't think I'm normal in that. I think most people operate at very high levels of stress and they're completely unaware. What would you say is the state of stress in the workforce right now? 
the state of stress, anytime I mention, I lead stress management and cultivating resilience. No one ever is like, oh no, we're good. Thank you for, thank you so much though. <laughs> Everyone is like, we need you, we need this. And the funny part of it is that burnout, that whole, that that word, that became really popular in the 80s. Did this is how long that it's been going on. We've just pretending like it hasn't. Wow. And when I really started to dive into this research, especially in the workplace, that is what blew my mind because I thought it was this new thing kind of in the past, like, you know, 10, 15 years. Or even just since COVID. Yeah, since COVID. But no, it's been going on for a long time. And I think like a lot of things, things kind of get popular and then they kind of go down. But stress is one of those things that it's not a popular thing. It is just a factual thing. And so stress, like you said, people start to just find a high baseline and they mm. stay there. Instead of having their homeostasis, their normal baseline, and then having peaks and valleys of stress. Mm. But the problem is, is that when you stay in that stress, that leads to chronic stress. Right. Because if I back up and say, what is stress in, it, in itself? Stress is helpful. You know, it, right. it's, it's, it keeps a, us alive. It does. It keeps us alive. It keeps us safe. However, it is meant for short bursts, not in constant state of stress. That's where we go into that chronic stress. And when we're in chronic stress, that's when we start to have things, um, high blood pressure, sleep issues, weight issues, mental, physical issues. Mm -hmm. And we go down this whole other line of problems just because we are staying in that chronic stress. When we're in a normal state, if something happens, then the cortisol gets released. It gives us helps with that adrenaline. We have that fight or flight. We take care of whatever that needs to happen. And then... We go back to yeah. our normal lives. We right? move on. We move on. But we're not moving on. We're constantly in that, that fight or flight of waiting for the next thing. Yeah. Why is that? Why do we stay that way, do you think? I think it's a culmination of a lot of things. I think one part is that we're not given permission to rest and relax. It's seen as very much a weakness in our society. And there has been at least a big movement to kind of go against the hustle because for a long time oh there was God. hustle, 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 hustle. Yeah, and I know. Give me a break on the hustle. I just had this conversation this morning with my husband. He's like, I am over hustle culture. Yeah. He's like, is that just me or is that everyone? I'm like, I don't actually know because like I'm living in this world of get rid of hustle culture. So I don't know if everyone feels that or if it's just some of us like who, again, who are mo more self-aware, who are yeah. like, this is killing me. I can't do this anymore. Some people will wear hustle and burnout as a badge of honor. Yeah. They like to say, oh, my plate is so stressed. Oh, this is so I've got so much going on. And you're like, hmm, I don't know who you're trying to impress right now. But all I hear is that you're not well. Yeah. Right. Because a lot of times, again, sleep issues, then it leads to substance abuse. Those right. are all part of those stress. Right. And, and substance styles. can be the wine. Like how many moms are like, oh, I, I make I can make it through life because of wine. Well, mm -hmm. hello. <laughs> that is actually considered a substance. Yes. And if you can't deal with it on your own, I'm sorry to burst your bubble if you're listening right now and you're like, well, I love my glass of wine. I need it every day. But if you need something like you cannot function yeah. without mm -hmm. something, then that has become a substance for you. Exactly. And that's that part of it. Like, I love my wine too, but I don't use it in a way that I need to decompress, decompress, with. take the yeah. edge off. Right. And so because when you go down those slopes, it's well, if you're gonna have one glass, you might as well have two glasses. Or the whole bottle. Have, exactly. And, and that's, no judgment. Just and that sneaks up out. so fast. 
But mm-hmm. when you start to go down that pathway, that leads to whole other compounding sleep issues because right. wine, alcohol is actually going to be wreak, essentially oh, wreak havoc yeah. on your sleep. Oh, I have terrible night sleep yeah. whenever I drink. It's like what? Dehydrates it, you. Yes. There's just so many things that happen. But as a culture, too, we're kind of like, oh, you know, just have a drink, take the edge off. Right. This, but instead, there's other practices that can help us. Right. And that's where we can get into, like, the healthy aspects of stress. Yeah. So I teach that stress is – you have about six different styles. You have your fight, flight, freeze, your fawn response. Fawn. Mm-hmm. So fawn is going to be in that people-pleasing because that people-pleasing is actually a stress response as well. Mm. Um, your tend and befriend and then your challenge response. So the tend and befriend and the challenge, that's where we start to move stress into that positive way because most people think about stress as this negative thing. And it doesn't have to be. It can be positive. And I use an example of you're getting ready to go on vacation. That's positive stress. Like the stress is still there. You have to pack. You have to make sure the passports and everything are taken care of. Flights are booked, et cetera. But you're motivated by something fun. Mm -hmm. So that's the motivating factor. So if we can start to see stress as a challenge instead of as this big, scary monster that comes up, comes at us, then we can start to address it differently. So the fight or flight, those are in the freeze ones. Those are ones that a lot of people already know about. The Mm -hmm. fight, you know. Very uh, aggressive in the nature, so people lash out immediately when they're starting to feel stressed. Um, your flight, that's where you, you you know, why choose when you don't have to and you just run away from it? <laughs> don't you make know, a choice. Don't, yeah, don't make a choice. I find actually it's funny that you say that because like now I'm realizing in this very moment, like I do a lot of flight, but it's not, I don't think of it as flight. It's more of like, I don't have the bandwidth to make this decision right now or to deal with this problem. I'm going to step away from it yeah. <laughs> until I actually can Yeah, but that's this. also like recognizing, oh, this is my stress and this is how I respond to stress, right? <laughs> well, yeah, not all stress, just some, <laughs> just some. Just some. Yeah. For me, I find that... That I go sometimes more into the freeze. So the freeze is I'm usually someone who's very good at making decisions. Mm-hmm. But if I get kind of caught off guard by something big, I don't know which way to go sometimes. And so that's frustrating. And then it compounds my own self-judgment. Yeah. And so then I said, you've you're got your fawn response for really much around people pleasing. The fawn response is more when you're struggling dealing with your own stuff, it's so much easier to go help somebody else's things too. Oh. Right? I'm going to go solve their problems oh. so that way I don't have to look at mine right now. So I'm married to to the fawn. Yeah. Um, which is funny to say that. Like my husband is a, a big guy, but very manly, but even still it's like I see him do that. Instead of dealing with his stuff, mm-hmm. he'll help everybody else before he's like, okay, now I actually have to deal with whatever it is yeah. that I'm here to deal with. Yeah, so just a stress response. Hmm. And it goes back to that self-awareness, though, because when he would catch himself doing that, be like, oh, I know exactly what's happening here. Um, and then the tendon and friend, that's we get into a little bit more of the positive stress because then we are collaborative on our hmm. stress. How do we help each other out? How do we work together? And then the challenge response is kind of the ultimate um, way that we would like to do it. You know, seeks stress or seeks it as something to – take over and challenge and succeed and move forward. And um, it's something that they would much rather conquer than kind of shrink away from. How do you get people to start to recognize stress in their day-to-day lives? Let's say like in a workplace, for example. Yeah. So I'll have people go through and audit their typical day. I say typical because it always seems something is changing, right? But start in the morning, go through your day mentally Are you reaching for your phone for the very first moment you wake up and check your email? Are you scrolling through social media? 
what are you doing in the first just five minutes that you wake up? Hmm. How does your day go? You know, obviously when people are parents, it's there's a whole other element because I it's can, not. I just get woken them. up by someone. Like yes. I don't, I don't need an alarm clock. My kids are an alarm clock. Exactly, and sometimes <laughs> that can be like an immediate trigger because maybe you're pulled out of a deep sleep or yeah. something like that. Or sometimes they love to just stare at you. So. Oh my god, it's so weird, I, but it happens. So yeah. what what's important about those first five minutes? Why does that matter? Because it's just giving your body a transition from sleep to wake. Okay, so you're not automatically jumping both feet into whatever you have going on. Okay. So I have people just audit their day. What does it look like? Where do you notice that you start to have a little bit more triggers? Is it trying to get everybody out the door in the morning? Is it in the car? Are you? Can you not stand being around the traffic? Is it surprise meetings? Is it a <laughs> full inbox? What is it that you go throughout your day oh, and you yeah. start to notice it? People will tend to have a lull right around lunch. They'll eat, you know, and then you get that sleepiness. Mm -hmm. And then it starts to pick up again that stress at the end of the day because they're realizing all the things they didn't get to today and that they're already planning for stress for tomorrow. Mm. Then they go home. Is the traffic again. Yeah. What scene is being met at home for them? So I have them go throughout their day and kind of pinpoint where are the ebbs and flows of their stress. Because – I don't like when people use stress as an overarching term. Mm, Okay. I am really into getting people to address the specific stress. Surely your whole day is not stressful, right? Well, it shouldn't be because chronic stress, I mean, I am, I can tell you exactly where chronic stress leads because for me, it led to a hospital in the month of August. Which a lot of times it does. (laughs) (laughs) Which I can laugh about it now, but like truly. Yeah. I see it and I I see it now. I had no idea because like you were saying, my baseline was high Mm -hmm. and I'm like, well, I'm functioning and I'm doing it all. So I don't, what do I need to change? Yeah. But please let me be the cautionary tale. But it goes back to that. Like who was taking care of you? No one. I wasn't. Because that's the problem. So a lot of times the term selfish comes into that, you know, and it's completely the opposite because it's not selfish to have self-care. Caveat to that: self care is also another word that's being thrown around a whole lot. Yeah, and when they come up with a different word, they really do because when you say self care, people automatically imagine bubbles and and champagne. And like, don't get me wrong, I love a bubble bath with champagne, but it can look like so many other things. I have one girl who her idea of self care is going for a ride on her motorcycle. I love that. Self-care can be whatever it means as long as it returns to yourself. And so a lot of times, especially with burnout, with stress, no one's going to take care of you. No one's going to be like, Lauren, did you make sure you breathe today? Especially, did you eat lunch? Especially when you're a mom. Yeah. I mean, because you're having to care for everyone. It sounds very cliche, but, but it, I, there's it a is. woman I know who her whole business is set up on, and this is her tagline, mothering mothers. Mm-hmm. Because she's like, we don't, women don't. God, we don't take care of ourselves yeah. and we all, and we feel guilty for doing it. Yeah. And it's so counterintuitive because who's going to take care of you when everybody else is, right? So we should be filling up our own cups first right. Right. and then giving from that. So, but with healthy boundaries, right? And doing sure. it without the judgment. That's where the mindfulness comes into aspect of right. it. Is there like a benchmark that you would say when, when I, let's say I audited my day, mm-hmm. if you were looking at my stress audit, 
What would you say is the proper number of times to be stressed during the day? Would you say, oh, okay, th- you shouldn't be stressed more than three times? Or if you look at it and you go, oh, more than once is bad. Like, what's your benchmark? What would you be looking for in my stress audit? That's hard because it's so subjective. Okay. I am here trying to normalize stress. So I'm not trying to say, go live a stress-free life, right? <laughs> it's not possible. It's not possible, but it's how we manage the stress. So I would say... On a normal day, maybe between three to five to ten episodes. But again, the thing I also like to emphasize is that my stress management level and yours are going to be very different. Yeah. I can't say what, you know, oh, well, you should be able to handle this. Oh, right? yeah. That's not it. It's not our place <laughs> to decide what the threshold for somebody else is. Yeah. So something like, traffic could be a trigger for somebody and immediately sets them off the deep end. Somebody else could just be like, well, here we are. Yeah, here it is. Yeah. So, well, and that's well, that's also that's not just self awareness, but that's also acceptance. That's yeah, uh, the resilience. Things, the that's things, all those the, the things. resiliency. That's the, that's the play in it. But when we audit our day and we start to pinpoint and notice a pattern, mm. where do I start to feel the most stress? And we feel it in our bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Shoulders. Right. Jaw, our jaw, our neck, everything. Yeah. And so when you start to go through noticing what are these things, what are these patterns, is there repetition? Is it every time so-and-so interrupts me when I'm trying to get my work done? Or it's when so-and-so calls me yes. <laughs> or when so-and-so's email pops into my email. <laughs> yeah. There's always that one person that <laughs> immediately makes the eye twitch, right? Yeah. Everybody's listening to like, a name just popped into your right. head. They know exactly who we're exactly. talking about. Uh, because every every workplace has them. Yeah. So once we have awareness about it, what do we do next? Then we start to put in those practices. Where can we help to manage and mitigate? So for example, if you know that you have a habit of reaching for your phone first thing in the morning, habits aren't created overnight and they're not broken overnight. Mm-hmm. So maybe set that little five-minute timer. Okay, I'm going to just give myself five minutes. A big fan of starting small going for the low-hanging fruit, going for the easy win, setting ourselves up for success. Mm -hmm. A lot of people that I work with and talk with, high-achieving, high-performing, just like real go-getters. Yeah, they want to win, right? They want to win. win. So when I'm like, do less, they're like, does not compute. (laughs) (laughs) Or like, if I'm going to do five minutes, I'm going to do 30 minutes. And I'm like, no, but 30 minutes isn't sustainable yet, right? Yeah, you're not not there yet. Start with two minutes. Start with five minutes. So try that. See how you feel just – and the funny caveat to that is, is that the first times of trying that, you're going to have some anxiety that comes up. Right. Because right. you're so used to reaching for that phone. It's kind totally. of like you get that FOMO, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know what emails are there yet. Don't worry. They'll still be there in five minutes. I know. This is something that I've had to work on and I'm still working on in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to never wear my watch to bed, but I realized I could leave my phone in a different room mm-hmm. if – I wore my watch to bed because I am someone who likes to know the time. Yeah. I like to know the time. I want to know the time. Some mornings I wake up and go to 5.45 a.m. yoga. So like instead of using my phone for that, for the wake up or for, you know, oh, what time is it? Let me check my phone. Well, then it becomes this rabbit hole. I've started wearing my watch in its place because I'm not going to – you can't really scroll on your watch. No. But if you can see – for me – I just need the time or I just need the alarm. I was going to say, they also have these things called alarm clocks. Yeah. But the thing is, I can't wake everybody up. That's the whole point. It's like I can put it on vibrate vibrate. and make the vibration on my watch wake me up, which is 
See, like now you're getting into my like the whole the whole <laughs> rabbit hole. But this is how I have avoided having mm-hmm. my phone next to me. And I've started doing this in the last couple of months. And that's been super helpful for me because instead of like scrolling endlessly, you could waste 30 minutes laying in so bed scrolling. Easy. And it's so dumb. Yeah. What a waste of time. Yeah. Um, a little rabbit hole that to go down. I saw somebody use the terminology um revenge bedtime for parents who they that 30 minutes that's the only time that they get to Mm. kind of turn their brain off right and so they'll scroll 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 and for nothing and then go to sleep too late right so they're doing it to themselves but I loved the term revenge scrolling because you're just like now I finally get to sit and enjoy just some time being me yeah but it's a great practice and that's a great way an example to offset Mm -hmm. right you're like I know me I need to have the time. I'm going to have my phone over here because that's my boundary. Yeah. Right? Because I know myself. It's that self-awareness that we always – that we don't always um, like to admit to ourselves, but it's an important part, having that self-awareness. So that's a little perfect example of ways to create those healthy habits. Right. So what's something else aside from those first five minutes of the morning? So I'm a big fan of mindful moments with coffee. Having it be an experience, giving yourself just a few minutes to just smell the aroma, not just be this thing that you do mindlessly where you right. get up, you go, you see the fuel, just allow yourself to just sit sit for a moment, yeah. stand for a moment, just breathe, be there while everybody else is chaotically getting <laughs> ready, right? It's kind of finding that calm in the storm and that can be you. I also love a practice of on the commute having a silent commute, especially at the end of the day and using that as a transition period to just kind of let your brain decompress yeah. because we'll get into autopilot sometime, which is kind of a scary thing when you've <laughs> driven to a place and you yeah, don't remember like, the drive. How did I get here? Like, you're like, how many lights did I go through? I don't know. So little practices throughout the day. Um, atomic Habits. I love his verbiage because he calls it habit stacking. And to me, that's a great practice on once we notice what our stress triggers are throughout the day, to habit stack healthy habits on top of them or little mindful moments. So what does that mean to stack habits? So that's the coffee example, drinking your coffee, but then sitting there and having a mindful moment with it, Mm. smelling it, just having a moment to like almost have it like your ritual that you get to do. Is it like attaching a mindfulness piece to something that's already a habit? something that you're already doing. So Uh, that way it's not a whole – because we're already trying to do the most, right? We're already trying to get enough sleep. We're trying to work out. We're trying to eat right. We're trying to have enough time for friends and family. So I'm not trying to dump one more thing and be like, but what about your stressful mindful habits, right? Right. So habit stacking is something that you're already doing in your life that you get to just compound a positive habit onto it. Mm. Um, Taking a shower, right? Allowing that to be a moment where you can just say, okay, I'm just going to be here feel the water kind of do this mini meditation in your head and all of a sudden it becomes a whole nother experience Mm -hmm. again it's hard when you're a parent sometimes right so it's having those little moments but having those boundaries with your partner and saying hey I'm going to take five minutes. Please do everything in your power. I'm going to lock the door. Yes. Keep the (laughs) Don't let them bang on the door. (laughs) Exactly. I don't care if you have to stand there and guard the door for five minutes, right? But having those mindful moments, and especially as a parent, having those healthy boundaries and being able to communicate to our partners what we want, because as much as we would love for them to be psychic, they're not. Yeah. But we have to have our own cups filled first so we can give to others. I think the thing that I've struggled with, and I am arguably, I mean, I will tell you, I'm doing such a better job of this, what I'm about to explain. And I even lately, I've been saying like, God, I am so proud of myself for this. I'm so proud. I would never give myself the permission to Mm -hmm. do that. So like giving myself the 
permission to sit down and stare out the window. And instead of picking up my phone, I pick up a journal. And I just sit there. Sometimes I don't even write. Sometimes I do write something. Sometimes I just stare at the birds. But when, when you're someone like me who forever has valued productivity over everything else, allowing myself and, and, and kind of like demanding that I myself sit down and have a moment or stop the productivity hamster wheel for a moment, that's been the biggest thing that I have done for myself. And it's for me, it's not even a boundary. It's permission. I gave myself permission yeah. to do that. And I love that because you're reframing what productivity is because mm-hmm. rest is yeah. also very productive, yeah. if, no not, if not more. Because, But again, society is always like do, must, achieve, right. go forth. So when we have five minutes where we're like, wow, our schedule, we have nothing, we seek out something to do instead of just taking that moment yeah. and just saying, can I just simply be for a second? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so those are some other practices for like in the workplace, for example. Yeah. When you find a little lull of a time, instead of automatically having to fill it with something else, let it be for just a minute. Yeah. Could we go outside? Could, Could we go outside? Just go out Could we drink some water? Could we stand up away from our desk and move? Yeah. Um, my last like corporate job that I had, corporate, corporate, we were in a room with no windows. And so I would always take the longest route to the bathroom just so I could go and see outside for a minute and yeah. just move and just see that before I went back into my yeah. my dark hole there. Yeah. But it's little practices like that that are going to help you throughout the day sustain that mm. baseline. Yeah, I think it's interesting because like for people who are high achieving or, or just want to do right, like just really, really want something to be right, they want to be good at it, when you give these sorts of very tangible, very simple concepts, it's like, wait, that's it? Like it, it's it got to be more, right? Like we want it to be hard yeah. for some reason when it's really – this is a game of, of actually making things simpler, right? Yeah. Like bringing yourself down – from all of the things that are getting you hyped up, like we gonna we have to downregulate, mm-hmm. right? Like we, yeah. we're in front of screens all the time. Yeah. Why don't we take a moment to play, or why don't we take a moment to breathe? And what is what is the response that you get from people when you're taking this education into the workforce and you're dealing with these like Type A high achieving people, and they're like, wait, what? Like what, what kind of response are you yeah. hearing from them when you tell them these things? So I'll use the words that you said to me. So, oh, it sounds so simple. And I tell them simple doesn't mean easy. Yeah, right. Because it is simple. And if it was so simple and easy, everyone would do it, right? right. But it's called a practice for a reason. And I have I love reading self-help, motivational books. And I noticed there's about five common themes that all of them say anecdotally in their own way. And they say it in a, just a different way. Yes, <laughs> but they're all saying the same thing. Um, but that's great. We have to have everybody different points of view. But at the end of it, one of the most common things is that they say, I wish that I, on the other side of my achievement, could have learned to have these stress management practices. They always say manage your stress, right? Because so many people end up sick mm-hmm. in the hospital. And we think it's an acute issue, y'all. It's not an acute issue. Not- when your body stops functioning optimally, this is what happens. And we need to look at our stress level because too much cortisol, too much inflammation, like this is the foundation of disease. And unless we're managing our day-to-day stress or day-to-day wellness, this is where it leads. Again, let me be the cautionary tale. Yeah. And I love the data points to it because it's not enough for me to just be like, you should just breathe more, right? They'd be like, (laughs) okay, 
Okay, gal. Yeah. Get out of here. Sounds great. Right? So I love the data behind it and the signs behind it and like what is actually happening in our bodies. When we have a stressful event, whether it is a perceived, it's, you know, uh, an email or it's a deadline or it's a physical thing, right? There's an actual stress event that's happening. The body reacts the same way, whether it's physical or emotional. The body releases cortisol. You go into the um, parasympathetic, sympathetic system, goes into overdrive there. And so what cortisol does in the long range for that moment is suppresses the immune system because Mm. it needs to send that adrenaline to all the vital organs. It's either fight or flight. Right, right. We got other work to do. We got other work to do. Yes. Your immune system can take a hit for a second because when you're in that stressor, what's going to happen is that quickly on the other side of it, it actually helps with um, tissue repair and it'll boost the immune system. But chronically, Mm -hmm. it will lower that immune system and it won't bounce back. Yeah. And so that's why we lead to sickness and disease and all of these Mm -hmm. other things. Um, We get that belly fat. That is what holds on to it, too, because that's where a lot of our hormones secrete. You know, a lot of people say that this is truly our first brain and this is our second brain. Yeah. But it's all connected. Right. And I think once we realize how connected everything actually is and that we can't afford not to manage our stress, Mm. then I think we're going to start to have some revelations because people are going to see rest as productive. They're going to see it as a necessity, not just something that they can opt in or opt out of. Right. And it's really hard, though, because... Life comes at us a million miles an hour. And most of the times, the stressors that come out, they're not things on our schedule. So we're right. we're looking for dangers that we don't even know which way they're coming from. Mm. But we also can't live like that. Right. You can't look for the next shoe to drop or the next thing. And so it's really important to manage these practices. Yeah. And it's called a practice for a reason. As someone who even teaches this, I can't even yeah. tell you how many times I find myself scrolling and then yeah. I have to st- mm, stop. Stop. You know this isn't stop. good for I you. I know. I have to set a timer for myself sometimes because I, I allow like those brain breaks. I think they're important. Yeah. Where you can just be entertained. Yeah. Just for the sake <laughs> of being entertained. <laughs> right. But set the alarm because right, the right. 30 minutes or an hour, it goes so fast. Yeah. So it's having these practices, and then if you fall off the wagon, just releasing that judgment and coming back on. So resetting and restarting just as many times as you need to. When you work with a corporate client, is it like you go in, you do like a one-day activation, and you're like, bye, y'all? Or like, what is that like in terms of a business for you? Mm -hmm. Are you giving them repeated touch points and and measuring their product, not productivity, but their progress in these stress management ways? So in the long term, I would love to have it be where we are having our check-ins, we're having our touch points and like maintaining instead of coming in and having like uh, one workshop. Triaging. Yeah, that's essentially what it is right now. I'm doing a lot of workshops um, that are more one-offs. Companies will come in and have follow-ups and we'll do it. But I would love for it to be at maintenance instead of coming in and triaging and just saying, okay, I know everybody's stressed. Here's just a little bleep of something that's going to be able to help. Here, babe, take a break. Yeah. Go go breathe a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) You know what your Enneagram, your Myers-Briggs, your astrology sign is cool. How about your stress style? Yeah. (laughs) So just trying to... I I bring it in in a very down-to-earth, approachable way and just say, like, here's words for how you're feeling. Yeah, yeah. Here are ways that we can help to manage because I think you don't know what you don't know. Right, And when you do know, you can do better. And so much of it 
it falls on the responsibility of the individual, but it falls on the responsibility of the workplace to support and create mm-hmm. that safe space for the individual to thrive. Right. And I give most companies the benefit of doubt that that's what they want for their employees yeah. because when people are ha- healthy, happy, they are able to work so much better. And they're loyal. They're loyal. They're, they feel valued. They feel like they're top of the world in terms of their well-being. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with having a healthy, loyal employee. There's, I mean, good Lord. Not. Can you imagine if all of your employees were healthy and loyal? Like I, That's a big deal. I know. What a crazy thought that you just like lean well, into your employees and like you, see that. You and I know a lot of the same um, research and we use it in different ways. Like in, in a keynote I give about purpose and how important it is to put purpose into, like, make sure that your employees feel Mm -hmm. meaning and fulfillment in the work that they do. One of the studies that I like to pull from is something that came out in the spring of 2022, and it talked about um, if you're looking at 10 of your employees, six of the 10 are completely just emotionally detached, completely miserable, not doing anything at work. Six of 10. And really, out when you look at all 10 of them, only two of them are really thriving in their well-being and being very productive employees. Think, Just think about that. Two out of 10 employees. And anytime I drop that stat from like showing the research, showing everything, and these are like responses from thousands and thousands of workers all over the country. I'll tell you, leaders of companies are like... You've got to be effing kidding me. They're like, that can't, that can't be our company. And I'm like, well, you know, numbers don't lie. So like, probably is. <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, like, that's the thing about science and math is like, you can not believe it if you want, but numbers don't lie. Still there. <laughs> it's still there. Well, and one of the things that I learned in the workplace and I experienced this several times myself was big disconnect between leadership and what is actually happening. Yeah. If Always. you ask leaders, are your employees happy? Oh, yes. Everything's great. You ask employees, are you happy? No. Very different answer. (laughs) Very different answer. So when leadership can stop pretending like everything is okay and digging their head into the sand like Mm -hmm. an ostrich and instead actually be practical and create systems that offer sustainability, sustainable well-being in the workplace, support. So you can support the whole person instead of just this, you know, worker bee. Yeah, right. Because if you only treat people like commodities and only value their productivity, they're not going to stay around for long because they'll either experience burnout or they'll find something that works better for their life. Yeah. And the cost of turnover is so high. So high. Because it's not just hiring a new person. It's training them. There are so many things. I think I read it was an average about three to $5,000 per person to bring in someone new. Yeah. Wow. So it makes sense. Lean into people. And to see somebody as a whole person. I also teach that work-life integration. Eliminating that word balance from our vocabulary because to me that, there's no balance. No, it makes it makes it seem like you're <laughs> going to have this like perfect balance at one point. Yeah. And so then that we never get there and then we're hard on ourselves. Right. I like integration. What happens at home is going to affect what happens in the workplace and what happens in the workplace is going to affect what happens at home. But with healthy boundaries. Right? Yeah. Because I mean, I've been inside in in scenarios where growing up Hard day at work, parent comes home, and yeah. all of a sudden, just like, oh, and everybody and you dump so then, on everyone. And yeah. everybody feels like they have to walk on eggshells. And I don't believe that one person should have that much control over everybody else's emotions, right? Well, that's not fair. It's right? not fair. It's up to that adult, it's up to that individual to self regulate. 
Right. And you teach self-regulating practices. Is it yeah. right? Like at that's that a, space, that's essentially that's what, what it, is. it is. Yeah. Because it's noticing I'm not in a good space right now. Shouldn't be around people. Or <laughs> I need to take a I, walk. I need to take walk a it walk. Off. I need to do something. Right. <laughs> and I will tell you, having a child, I have a two-year-old, it's been the best real life practice <laughs> of self-regulation and you're so you mean that's stressful to you? I can't imagine. I mean, it's got elements of stress. Um, it's been one of the best practices in stress management, self-regulating, but also just fun and wonder and play. Right. And seeing the and world. And that's healing. These, it is. Playing is can be healing. Yeah. I love to go and sit outside with her and watch her find wonder in yeah. sticks. Yeah. And wow. grass and just all these things that we see every single day yeah. and we don't think another thing of it. Well, and it's springtime now. And so there is a lot of wonder when, when nature starts to wake back up too. How yeah. Beautiful. And there's so much that you don't even realize. She's very much in the, mommy, what's that? What are you doing? What's that? You're like, Shut up. Yeah. Okay. Let me answer your question. I know. And I'm like, those are clouds. And she's like, why so fast? You know? And then you're like, wow, those are moving really fast. And then you <laughs> stared up at the sky for two minutes. You're like, I, that was delightful. Yeah. And that was your brain. Like that was your break yeah. right there. That was your mindful moment yeah. because you connected suddenly your mind with your body, with your breath. And there it is. Like, and now isn't that funny? Like so many people talk about like the innocence of kids mm -hmm. and how kids can bring us to the, I will tell you that has been the best part of being a mom yeah. is that my kids bring me to the present moment. If I didn't have kids, I'm, I'm concerned where I personally would be because I am someone who, who carries an unhealthy level of stress. Like my baseline was super high. Um, my valuing output more than anything, super high, mm -hmm. super unhealthy. And the only thing that's brought me down from that in the in a healthy way is children because they have forced me to be mindful. They've forced me to be present. Yeah. And because they also forced me to reflect on my own childhood. And so when you kind of start to look at your life, like what am I teaching my kids? And you look at it through the lens of what you yourself learned or what you yourself mm -hmm. experienced, then it's like, wait a minute, I'm not doing right by them. Like yeah. they deserve more, or, uh, more of me, like my presence. They don't deserve my leftovers. They don't deserve leftovers. They deserve the, the best from me. Yeah. And if I chose to bring them into this world, then I have to be responsible for that choice and give them the best life. Because that's all we are at this point. We are stewards of them right, and we have to right. be good stewards. Yeah. And I love that you use the word present moment because that is an additional practice. It's part of the whole the mindfulness aspect of right. things. But that present moment awareness, our brains love to live in the past mm, and play in future. the future. Very rarely is it right here. Yeah. So a meeting, for example... How many times do you see people constantly checking their phone or checking their watch or just something mm -hmm. versus being in that moment, yeah. truly valuing what their colleagues have to say, listening and giving constructive feedback and not just speaking just to try to contribute if they don't actually have something. I think if more people in the workplace practiced present moment awareness, things would get done a lot quicker. Do you know, I find what you're talking about, what I find is my favorite present moment thing to do is like one-on-one -on -one conversations. Yeah. If you're in a group conversation, you can tune out, you could check your phone, you could do whatever. But when you're in a one-on-one -on -one conversation, you have to be so present-minded because you, wonder upon wonders, have to listen to, listen. to the person who's across from you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's that's one of the hardest parts, yeah. though. I find myself always struggling, especially at networking events. I love it, but sometimes I'm so focused on saying my own name, trying to say my own name <laughs> right. Have you ever introduced as yourself I, as like I, the other person's as name? As I've never said my own name before or something like that. I'm like, just say it right. Just say it right. And so I don't even hear what their names are. 
And then I walk away and I'm like, God, what was their name? And it was totally your fault because you weren't in the present moment. It wasn't in the present moment. I want to talk about your past that got you to your present. Um, you because you you were beautiful. Like way to bring that all around. You know, I mean, I think like what the iteration, the current present moment iteration of all of us, we are a product of past choices and past experiences. I mean, that is what we are, right? And, And the goal is to be greater than the sum. Yes. Right. To the, the, that your current iteration is greater than your past experiences. So you have this whole background in sales in corporate. You did uh, international sales, mainly in South America. And was it medical device sales? It was medical. It was okay. all over the world. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And then you, you went into all of these different like places doing sales. And then suddenly you're like, this sucks. I'm going to teach people about stress. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me about your background that got you to this moment. So I had always, I want to say that um, I did my first yoga class uh, when I was 18. And I always joke with people that yoga is kind of like the gateway drug of like everything wellness and well-being. 1,000%. It's like you get the taste of it and you're like, that was That's That's what makes it brilliant. That's what's so brilliant about yoga. It is because it's that last five minutes. Yoga is kind of like a bait and switch sometimes, right? You're like halfway through, you're like, this sucks. And then at the very (laughs) end of it, you get to just lay there for five minutes and your brain somehow magically is off. Yeah. And you're like, when can I do that again? Again, that's the genius yes, of yoga. Exactly. The Vedic sciences, man. I'm it, all about them. It, it is. I know that's a whole other rabbit hole we could go down. But so I always had my own and I loved it. And I really was into self-awareness because I have. I was raised by a single mom. And so tons of other stress, right? Having to be the good cop and the bad cop. And you were the oldest, right? I am. Yeah. So like extra, extra stress. Yes. And also like kind of leads into like personalities and things right. like that. And so I was realizing that... We do have to be it – is, it is our responsibility to be in charge of our own emotions, not blame others mm-hmm. for our emotions. And so that was kind of just a practice that I always had. And then I, you know, got into the workforce and was traveling and seeing so much – so much of the world really changes. I think travel is really one of the best things for the soul. Because it gives perspective. Everyone improves with perspective. It really does. Michael Fronte has an amazing lyric and his song says, the more I see, the less I know. Mm. And it's so true as you go around and you get outside of your bubble and you realize like my bubble is just my bubble, but there's a whole world out yeah, there that people are living differently. And so went through several different iterations of work. I did medical devices, medical equipment, and then I went over into tourism and hospitality. I love Nashville. I love the city. So I was like, well, this sounds fun. <laughs> and um Landed in Bachelor and Bachelorettes. Which is so funny. Anyone who listens, we have a lot of listeners way outside of Nashville, like all over the world. And if you don't know this about Nashville, Nashville and Las Vegas are considered like the two bachelor and bachelorette capitals. So people before they get married (laughs) will come. And they'll, you know, have they'll they'll have their fun party. Like I think in the UK they call them like stag Stag parties. parties. Right. So that's what they do here in Nashville. And so, yes, it's fun. Yes, we have this huge music scene, which is incredible. And there's a lot of like vibrancy here at great sports town. But we also have these bachelor and bachelorette parties. So you got into that world, I which is hilarious to It me. was the best of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> yeah. So, so we had that whole thing going. And then we developed that to a good size. And then we got a TV show out of it. And then I kind of was like, I don't think anything's going to happen from this. And I'm not happy and don't want to be here anymore. And made the decision to leave. And started a whole nother uh, job in the tourism and hospitality world and loved that. And that was so great. And it was such a fun thing because I noticed it's like one of those things when I know what I'm doing now, but how I'd kind of really been doing it all right. along. Right. And you were noticing, too, that other people 
didn't have the practices you had. They didn't. And they weren't managing any of the stuff they were dealing with. Exactly. So Nashville, for example, I would talk to some of my colleagues or people and would say, you know, I know you're so stressed. It's really easy to get get cynical because cynicism is one of the signs of burnout. Really? Mm -hmm. And I was like, Mm. but just imagine you go to your favorite place. And for them, for a lot of people, that's Nashville. Imagine... Hmm. beginner's mindset. You're seeing those lights for the first time out on Broadway. Hmm. You're hearing the music pour out of every single honky-tonks. Yeah. You're seeing the people. Just There is an energy down there. Yeah. And then all of a sudden when I say, if you can see it through that lens and it's not just another thing that you have to do, it's going to change it for you because you really want to impact that person's experience. You want to give them a good time. You wouldn't want to go to a place that you've been excited about and have everybody kind of like poo-poo on your experience. Oh, because, hum. Yeah. Yeah, yucky. So I was realizing that I was implementing mindfulness and teaching that to people that I was working with already. Yeah. Then the pandemic hit and... And you had a kid. I was five months pregnant. <laughs> so yeah. great time to lose your job. Um, and then my job <laughs> position was eliminated. And yeah, I was yeah. sad for about two minutes. And then it was kind of like... <laughs> You're like, this is a gift. I, it really right? was. COVID, I will tell you, I know for as much loss and grief as the whole world experienced yeah. through COVID, COVID was a great time for me because it gave me the first glimpse of what I really wanted my life to be. Yeah. And it was the breeding ground for what Amstigator is now. I mean, that's that's where everything, that's where I started really, gosh, the seeds started to plant. Yeah. And then- and the beginning of 2021, when all the world started to really go back to, well, I'm going to use air quotes, yeah, normal, normal. That was when I went, no, no, there was something else that my soul was craving. And I got it in 2020. And I need to recreate mm-hmm. that. And so yeah. that's truly like, that was the birthplace of all of it. COVID gave me a, a window to what my life could be and how peaceful and stress-free my life could be. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is when we're forced in this discomfort, that is so often when the growth happens, Mm -hmm. if we allow it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So many amazing things happen when we're forced to be in uncomfortable situations. And that's where resiliency in my mind comes into play. Because we can either shrink down and let it kind of and blame like the situation or we can rise to the occasion and say okay how can I make something out of this you know we're not responsible for what happens to us but we are responsible for how we react to it and so I think a lot of people felt what you did Mm -hmm. where they were given the opportunity to not have a full schedule for once yeah that they got to sit at home by themselves for the first time in a long time and to that point though that scared a lot of people too yeah I think that's why depression Ooh, to and be anxiety, alone with your thoughts, to be alone with your own yeah. thoughts, because yeah. you weren't just ignoring them. Right. All of a sudden, you're like, "Wait, who am I? Do I even like myself? Yeah. What do I like? What do I do for fun? Girl, I don't yes. know. Those were the questions that I started asking myself, and I couldn't answer. Yeah. I could not answer those questions. And those are the things you asked me before. You know, how do I work with corporate groups in that aspect? Yeah. I asked them one of those important things. What do you do? What do you enjoy? What do you like to do for fun? What do you actually like? Who are you outside of your titles? Take all your hats off. Yeah, right. Who are you? What lights you up? Yeah. What do you do for fun? And so many people will be like, well, I kind of like doing this, this. Great. When was the last time you did that? Uh, (laughs) Silence. Yeah. Why aren't you doing more things that you like more often? Yeah. If you enjoy doing it so much, make time to do it. But that is in our busy schedule. We have Mm -hmm. to be intentional about scheduling that time. Yeah. Because those will always be the first thing that is quick to be yeah. pushed off the back burner. Right. Oh, that's okay. I'll, no, I'll just, I'll go get a massage another time or I'll go and, you know, journal another time or I will do this. No. When you can start holding yourself accountable mm-hmm. and say, I deserve happiness and fun and right, to be right. well, 
Yeah. Make it that thing on your calendar that's a non-negotiable. Yeah. So you're bringing up a couple of things that a couple episodes ago um, I interviewed my therapist. And if you guys haven't listened to it, I'll put the link in the show notes. But she says a couple of things that are right on with this. She tells me that no matter what, she will only work seven hours a day. And she says eight hours a day of work is too much already. So she says, why would I ever work more than what is already too much? So at seven hours, she cuts it off. And you know what she does for the rest of the day? Things for herself. So say whatever she not, wants. Not errands. Yeah. Not more work. She's like, I have to take care of my body. I have to take care of my soul. I have to take care of my mind. I have to do those things so that I can be ready for the next person the next day. You know, because like mm-hmm. if I'm going to teach someone how to be truly well, I have to take care of my body. And we're just not doing it well. Not, I wasn't doing it well. It's still a practice for me now. We're not. And I like to really talk about things in a practical term because I think in a lot of times it's really easy, at least a lot of podcasts and like people that I listen to, I'm like, wow, their practices are great, but they also have no children. Yeah, oh, they my God. They don't have yeah, like don't their their job isn't like, like a typical uh, nine to five. They have a lot more flexibility. Right. And I have a lot more flexibility now. But I think back when I was having nine to fives, working parents, working moms especially, you work your nine to five and then you go home to the second shift. Totally great. Right? And that's how we have to have that additional stressor. Right. right. Going back to the communication with our partners. I need help. Yeah. I need this. Asking things of our kids. Right. My daughter now helps unload the dishwasher. She sets the table <laughs> a little bit, you know. Cute. And so, which is so good for her, by the way, to like get her going on that kind of stuff. To it have is. That, it's the little like, things awareness. because, especially moms, we're so we take on the whole burden. Right. Almost this martyrdom. Right. I can do. We it think all. we're supposed to, and that's the fallacy in all it of it. Is. We're not supposed to. Yeah, we're not supposed to. It is a family unit. Everyone should contribute. The second shift is there. It's it's just yeah. a part of life, right? Yeah. We've got homework. We've got kids that need to be bathed. We've got all this. And then yeah. maybe like hopefully like 9 or 10 o'clock, everybody's asleep, yeah. right? Yeah. And then we don't yeah. revenge. Hopefully we don't revenge scroll. But <laughs> that's what I like to think about as practical. It's not enough to just like see all these things and be like, oh, great. No. What does that normal 9 to 5 working parent look – what does their life look like? Yeah. How do we manage that stress in there? Because right. there's a lot – it's like you're a project coordinator, you're a chauffeur, mm. you're a chef. Yeah. And so I try to tell people, when you look at that whole picture, when you audit your life, what can you outsource? Mm. Example, in December, I was getting really tired of cooking. I was in this rut where it was like chicken one night, pasta this <laughs> night. Like, I, cooking wasn't fun anymore. It wasn't an experience. I didn't enjoy it. So I said, I let's try HelloFresh. That way, I don't have to do the shopping because that was another thing. I was just getting tired of shopping. I don't know why, but I think just the end of the year was a lot of stuff going on. And I was like, I would rather go have my teeth pulled than (laughs) go grocery shopping. And so we started HelloFresh. And that was a way for me to outsource it. I could pick my meals. All of the bright proportions were sent to me. All of the ingredients were sent to me. I had to cook it. All of a sudden, cooking was fun again because the brain work that it took to get to that yeah. point yeah. was taken off my plate. Yeah, it's like you spared some creativity, right? Like yeah. you have to – you recur- re- currently right now are spending so much creative energy uh, creating your programs, working with these mm-hmm. companies and doing all this stuff. You don't need to spend your creativity in this other way when you're in creation mode. You're in building yeah. mode of something. Yeah. And so I, I, look, I have people, I'm like, one, you know, what can your budget allow? Yeah. Where can you outsource? Is, yeah. is you know, just cleaning, is that getting too much? Can you spare a cleaner once a month? Mm. You know, what are these little things? And those are monetary, but, like, what yeah. are some things that you can do that are going to help better 
your life and that is yeah. like create more space for happiness and well-being right. and not just this chore of a life that you have to do. I will share with you guys this question again, you know, I do lessons in real time. This is a real time question that from therapy that I am actually having to ask myself. Uh, this is my homework and I've been working on it for several weeks. The question before I put something in my calendar, before I say yes to something, I have to ask myself, does this give me a healthier outcome? Mm -hmm. Does this give me a healthier outcome? Because I'm having to work to completely rewire and redo the programming around this need for productivity or this need that like I can do it all. Yeah. Like I'm supposed to do it all. So I have to do it all. Right. Because otherwise I can't handle it. And that's weakness. But the question I have to ask now is, does this give me a healthier outcome? And so not do I want to do it? Well, yeah, I want to do it. Do I love that? Yes, I love it. But does it give me a healthier mm -hmm. outcome? Like, am I healthier if I make this dinner? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Am I healthier if I clean my house? Probably not. Am I healthier if I have this coffee with this person I really don't know? N probably not, actually. <laughs> I'm not. So maybe I say no to that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like maybe if you guys are listening, like maybe that's a question that helps you. Does this give me a healthier outcome? Yeah. Does this reduce my stress? And learning to say no and not feeling guilty about it. Right. That's the biggest part because we want to be everything to everybody. Right. But to what end, right? <laughs> right, right. At what cost? At what cost? Because it's detrimental to us. Mm -hmm. So that's the whole, for me, stress is both aspects of life. We spend one third of it at work. Mm -hmm. We should at least enjoy that part of things. Same yeah. thing at home. Yeah. What we are should we doing enjoy to that space. Exactly. So when you think about it in that pie chart, you're like, spend one third of it sleep, one third of it at work, and then one third at home. Yeah. No wonder your life sucks, right? Yeah. Like if you're not doing if you're not doing things that make you happy, if yeah. you're overloaded with stress chronically, like yeah, yeah, your life's gonna suck. Yeah. So like we have to take some we have the agency and the duty to do something about it. And if that freaking can start with taking a moment, like with my hot tea and staring out a window or taking the long way to the bathroom so I get some extra steps or I get to look at the sunshine. All right, that sounds pretty freaking worth it to me. Yeah, it's the little little aspects of it, and that is just what culminates all of it. Mm -hmm. Having that self-awareness, saying, what kind of life do I want to live? Mm -hmm. Because I'm tired of the hamster wheel. It's a necessity, right? We all have bills that we have to pay, but where can we have fun with it? Right. Where can I say, this is my job, I enjoy doing this, but they don't get the best of me. Mm -hmm. Because I think that most people are super passionate about what they do. Yeah. Contrary to what all the belief about, you know, what social media and millennials and Gen Z and everything says, <laughs> I think for the most part, people are excited for when they're in a place that yeah. really fills them up yeah. and it's what they're doing. We want to be want to do good, right? Yes. And so, but that doesn't define who you are. Yeah. You're still a whole person outside of whatever that hat is that you wear in the workplace. Right. So as I'd mentioned, stress is a normal part of life. How we manage it that makes all the difference. And I want to also sprinkle in there, I had said, you know, several, several times mindfulness. When we say mindfulness, it sounds very woo-woo to a lot of people, right? Mindfulness yeah, meditation. So funny to me. But it's really not. So the Western definition is simply the act of paying attention on purpose without judgment. Mm -hmm. So paying attention on purpose part, that seems kind of easy. But it's the without judgment part that can be very tricky. Because we'll see things and we'll be like, well, that I didn't perform my best in that way, mm. right? And that's when we laid in bed and we replay. Oh my what god, the happened, whole day, right? Dumb. Instead of Don't just being like, "That was a moment," 
I'll do it better next time. Reset and restart. Releasing the judgment. I joke with people, it's really hard to hurt my feelings because everything negative you possibly could say, don't worry, I've already said it to myself and probably worse, <laughs> right? Very good at hurting my own feelings. But it's a practice of releasing that judgment so yeah. we can stop hurting our own feelings. Right. You know, we talk about the things that we say to ourselves. Would we say that to a friend? Would we say right. it to you our would, children? Would you would you knock a person that out. You love? Yeah. You would knock a person out if they said that to your kids or to your friend. Yeah, but we say it to ourselves. We do. And so when we can stop saying that, because when we say those words, our body listens. Totally. And we have to rewire and reframe. I mean, there's a whole science of neuroplasticity about that. Mm-hmm. What does it say to yourself? I joke in, um, you know, on the mindfulness aspect of it, sports. Visualization, totally normal. Visualize the ball getting to the hoop. Visualize the, you know, ball getting into the hole. Like whatever, whatever, whatever yeah. sports analogy, right? Visualization totally normal. When I ask somebody to visualize the life that you want to live. We can't do it. Can't do it. Yeah. All of a sudden it's very woo. What do you mean? What is this magic? (laughs) Right. You did it in sports. Yeah. Do it in life. Right. It's the same. It's the same. So being able to have those moments of mindfulness, to me, my definition is mindfulness is creating that space between the action and the reaction. The thing that's happening, pause react. Mm, mm, I like that. So you're saying widen that space. Widen that space. I love that. Don't just have these knee-jerk reactions, but it comes back to that self-awareness to know Mm. this thing happens. Oh, here's how I would typically react. How can I back off for just a second? Then react. There's so much power in pause. In the pause. There really is so much. And the same thing would be not being afraid to be alone with your own thoughts in meditation and journaling. Meditation is another thing that gets kind of that, you know, woo-woo terminology. But <laughs> again, it's simply just returning to self, yep. breathing in, breathing out for two minutes. And knowing that it can look like a slew of things. Yeah. You can meditate with your eyes open. You can yeah. do a walking meditation. I'm a walking meditator. Do, this is my you favorite. You can do so many things. But people, you know, I think Western society makes it seem like you have to sit here cross-legged, uncomfortable. Yeah. S- in a yoga bra. Straight, yeah. For 30 <laughs> minutes, right? And people are like, I'd rather not. And so... <laughs> Starting small, though, knowing that meditation can look like whatever it is. I tell people who um, are athletes, like, who bike, who do all these other things. I think that moment when your brain just goes a little bit quiet. Yeah. That's also meditation. Right. How can we sprinkle that throughout our day and just sit there? But a lot of people, it's very scary because, again, going back to where sitting alone with our thoughts for the first time, Mm. the brain likes to just go through. We give the brain way too much power. To me, mindfulness and meditation is the opportunity to teach yourself and remind yourself the brain's not in charge. Not in charge. There's uh, Michael Singer um, has these two books, The Untethered Soul and then Mm -hmm. Living Untethered. These are excellent books. But one of the things that he uh, brings you back to is like, hey, look in the mirror. Who is noticing you in the mirror? Is it your eyes noticing? Well, No, your eyes are the vehicle, the conduit Mm -hmm. for how we're noticing. But who's noticing? Are you in there? Who's in there? Are you in there? And so he he just so expertly brings your awareness to like soul, center, like you in there. It's not your brain in charge. It's you in there who's in charge. And so we, by bringing our awareness to that, like who we really are, again, like you've said, Mm -hmm. outside of the labels, outside of the to-do list, um, outside of all the other things, who we are is what determines where we go and what we do. Not the mind, 
right? And so meditation and mindfulness reconnect to you in there. Yeah. You know, and that's why it can be so powerful if you let it. Yeah. And when you're in that chronic stress, you shut all of that down. Right. Any kind of like feelings, gut feelings, reactions, you know, that little like ding, ding, ding in your brain. Right. That's not operating anymore because you were just consistently in that fight or flight. Right. And so when you can bring that down, return to self, know your, what are my stress styles? What are my stress triggers? Oh, I know what's happening because this is how I'm feeling with this. It's going to bring that whole self-awareness around and allow you to just make better decisions, yeah. I feel like, for yourself. Yeah. Right. To just be you, right? To just be it's you. Such a mo- it's a much more beautiful yeah. place to live. Do you? Would you say that you're happier now than you've been before? Oh, I would say a thousand percent. One, because I have the freedom and flexibility to do what I like. It's always been something that I've been doing along the way. And I get to impact people and show them, look... I'm not just a wellness or well-being practitioner who's just coming in, like I said, and being like, breathe, stretch, you'll be fine, right? (laughs) I can come in and say, I know what it's like to be operating under deadlines. I know what it's like to be managing people. I know what it's like when leadership or whoever is breathing down your neck for stuff. It's not always that easy. As much as I would love for you just to be able to breathe it away, you can't. But these are real life things. What I love is giving you the tools Mm -hmm. to be able to help sustain and manage those. And going, where can I kind of like let some things go? Where am I piling too much on my plate? Where am I doing this intentionally? And then if we want to get really deep into it, be like, where do those actually really stem from my need to perform? My need to do this, my need to do this. You know, therapy is a great place for that. (laughs) But but it is like all of that stems from from that. And so for me, I feel so much happier being able to be in a space where I get to communicate that to people and say, just because it's the way it's always been doesn't mean it's the way it always has to be. Right. Step out of the norm. Break that cycle of just wearing stress as a badge mm-hmm. of honor. Mm-hmm. It's not good. It's not it's helping not anybody. Because we need you, girl. We need <laughs> you to be healthy. Right? Yeah. Like the world needs your gifts. The, the world needs that. And so unless you can be your full self, a healthy, well you, then you can't bring all you're supposed to be. And then the world's at a deficit because you can't be you because you're too stressed. Exactly. And I like to put emphasis, too, that there are seasons that you're going to go through, right? But it's making sure that we come back to that. Mm. There might be a really big season when you come up to launch your next, you know, season, seasonal episodes of your podcast, right? You've got a lot of work to do. So, you know, you're going to be working a little bit more, doing this and that. Same thing in the workplace. If you're coming up on a product launch, if you're coming up on your busy season, whatever it might be, you can manage that because you know what your baseline is. Right. So you can have your peak, but you got to come back down. Right. But people live in that peak and just go on. So when we have our peaks and valleys, we know what our baseline is to come back down to it. So that way, when we're in those high stress seasons, we can manage it. I call them push seasons because it's a time where sometimes you do have to push through. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not sitting here just be like, you should just be like, yeah. manage it all the time, right? That's not life all the time, but we have to manage those moments. Yeah. Stress is okay. Chronic stress is Chronic not. Chronic stress is not okay. Exactly. Yeah. I love it. Rosa, thank you so much for being here. You've done such a great job. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> I love this. I really love this message that Rosa's giving because I think it's something that we all really, really need. I know I am so guilty of this and I'm relearning it in real time. Like we carry so much stress, too much stress, and we need to change the baseline. So that's been a lot of the work that I've tried to do in these last many months. 
you know, avoiding stress altogether is probably not possible. It's just not, you know, as long as I work, as long as I have young kids, like it's going to be something that I deal with. But if I can bring my baseline lower, you know, if I can really pinpoint in my calendar those times that I'm going to have peak stress and then valleys without stress, I think that's really the work that I'm going to do to keep myself healthier. And it's true what I was saying earlier too in this episode about the question I have to ask myself. That's literally my homework every single day before I put something into my calendar or commit to something. I have to ask myself, will this give me a healthier outcome? And I've said no to a couple things lately that I would have otherwise said yes to. Normal Lauren would have said yes to even just a few weeks ago. But since I've had to start asking myself that question of like, okay, is this going to give me a healthier outcome? If the answer is no, I have to say no. You know, I, I just have to say no because the stress is not worth it anymore. So I encourage you to really think through your day. Maybe do that stress audit like Rosa was talking about at the beginning of the conversation. Start to bring attention and awareness to the places in your day where you're like, you just start to get out of hand, you know? I know the exact places in my day where that happens, but I'm going to start bringing more awareness to it because I'm sure there are other things that I don't even think about that are really causing me stress. And look, if I want to be healthier, I need to bring down that stress baseline. As you go through this week, I encourage you to shine your light, lead with your heart, and live life purposefully. I'm Lauren Lowry, and this is Amstigator. Amstigator.